Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. What's up? What's going on? It's uh, it's going pretty well. It's going pretty well. I um, had a nice weekend shoveling 40, 40 centimeters of snow that I had not shoveled in the last couple of weeks. What about you? Damn, that sounds like it kind of sucks. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a combination between... I don't think I've ever shoveled snow in my life. It seems impossible. impossible. <laughs> it seems impossible, but I, <laughs> I mean, I grew up mostly in apartment buildings. So, <laughs> uh, yay! Lucky for me, I guess, in one very small, minute way. <laughs> I can't. I can't tell you how much it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. Yep, can't hear you anymore. Don't know what you're saying. <laughs> um. How are you? I'm good. I mean, this was a was a weird week in the news, so I'm feeling a little melancholic, shall we say, about, um, you know, there were some two really important sentencings that happened this week. Yes. Uh, one that I know that you attended with respect yes. to Bissonnette, and then, of course, the MacArthur case in Toronto serial killer who targeted queer, mostly racialized men in Toronto's village. Yeah, this episode's not about that, but the both of these trials and both of these individuals, I think, represent actually the extreme impact that what we're about to talk about has. You know, I I actually didn't realize that Bruce MacArthur uh, was being sentenced on Friday. I had basically, um, well, I had no access to my phone. And so I was sitting in the sentencing hearing of Alexandre Bissonnette. And it had been almost a year since the evidence was presented um, in what it, what was uh, a trial where he pled, uh, he pled guilty. And so I'm obviously been following the Bisonet stuff very closely. I live here um, and and do a lot of work uh, to ensure that you know the city doesn't forget. But the MacArthur trial, it it really came and went quite quickly. Uh, th- this has been a long, long, sad saga of um, men going missing and the police ignoring uh, the fact that men were going missing in the community raising the alarm bell and it wasn't until the last victim went missing Andrew Kinsman who is a white man Mm -hmm. was the was was the were the police able to then finally say oh you know we've made a breakthrough in the case oh we've you know eventually solved the case and the similarities between these two murderers is really uh, really shocking to me because you've got on one hand you have someone Alexandre Bizanet who who murdered within a span of two and a half minutes mm-hmm. and was motivated by extreme hatred for uh, basically for everybody who's not a white male he had extreme ha- hatred for women he had extreme hatred for Muslims he had extreme ha- hatred for immigrants and ended up murdering six men uh all racialized uh in in their mosque whereas bruce mm-hmm. macarthur had been murdering for years and also preyed on a certain kind of person marginalized 
who wouldn't necessarily be missed from their family or who wouldn't necessarily raise alarm bells. He had a long rap sheet and he wasn't motivated, motivated by political forces, but it was political forces that enabled him to kill. Yeah, that's right. And enabled him to keep going because obviously the police didn't find it important enough to listen to what the, the, the queer community was saying, which was that clearly there is a serial killer in our midst. People were warning each other. And also, you know, as we found out this week, a police officers being charged with misconduct with respect to the handling of the Bruce MacArthur case, uh, because there was a complaint directly about Bruce MacArthur to the police before that they did not follow up on. The way that the you know politics functions around particular communities to allow these types of atrocities to go forward, I think I I I, I think that that's probably the similarity that you're about to expand upon. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, this is this is white male rage at its most scary, deadly, calm, right? In both in both situations, the their actions were actually very calm. Uh, the, the 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 judge in Bisonette's trial made that very clear that he carried out his rampage very calmly, and it was all caught on tape. So you know, you can actually in the court they did show not. On Friday, but uh, back in April last year, they did show the the security footage of him carrying out his attack, oh and he God. walked into that mosque with the intent to kill everybody there. That is that was oh in God. the judge's decisions, and that was that was basically what was agreed by all parties that this is what his intent was was to do. And the only reason why he didn't was one of his his guns, his primary gun, uh, didn't work. Oh my god. And and white male rage. It's like we are in a society where we're pretty much like everybody is held hostage by this in different ways. And these two incidences as I said at the beginning are the extreme manifestation of what is actually quite common and what what is quite normal. Mhm. And what is quite politically salient, which is um the way I would pivot to what we are talking tonight is white male rage as a political party <laughs> in Canada. As a political party in Canada. And so we can only be talking about, no, that's not true. We could be talking about more than one party. But <laughs> we are <laughs> going to start talking about the People's Party of Canada. Yeah. Your fave party. Yeah, not your fave. I mean, it makes me think of a Dilbert com- comic where Dilbert was on the TTP project, but TTP stood for TTP, the the TTP project TTP. So it's like the People's Party, the PP, the PP. <laughs> I hate this stuff so much. Wow, none of that made sense to me. Okay, hopefully our listeners can decipher what the hell you just said. <laughs> The People's Party of Canada, but also, do you think that they that he named it that as like a jab at the left? Because that's a pretty stupid jab. No, I don't think he's that smart. Really? It just seems so obvious. He's not that smart, even. That's pretty sad. Have you met him? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, I think I've maybe shook his hand once, but so you have met him? No. Hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know. You know how these things go. Like this all I runs know. into a big mush of who the it's true. His hands you've it's shook true. or not. Okay. Right? Anyway. People's Party of Canada, run by leader Maxime Bernier, former proud backbencher of the Conservative Party of Canada, started picking a lot of fights last year with the Shear, Andrew Shear, who is the most exciting federal leader right now. <laughs> He's so boring. <laughs> Anyway, Conservative yeah. Party leader Andrew Scheer, he started picking a lot of like weird social media fights with him. And then uh, it became pretty obvious. And as called, I think I, f- I think I first saw this called by uh, Professor Ronaldo Walcott on Twitter um, that he obviously wanted to be the leader of a party. Um, yeah. And and then just and then defect he did and became the leader of a party that he took some time to name. He was like, "I'm leaving and starting my own party. What is it called?" Uh, it's, that's on its way. It wasn't super organized. It's not exactly no. how Nora and I would do things because we're not assholes like that have a lot of like hubris. That. Like a white man, only a white man can. Uh, So he starts this party. He eventually calls it the People's Party of Canada, which may or may not be a jab at the left. Uh, And it is the party of angry white men. One of them. (laughs) Yeah, and and the reason why I I started with, with this link between these two serial killers or mass murderers is because throughout the trial of Alexandre Zanette, we heard, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say the trial because he pled guilty. But throughout the, the 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 process, we heard that he was obsessed with far right, the far right internet world. He was obsessed with reading mainstream far right stuff. So uh, Trump and Ben Shapiro and um, all of these conspiracy theories around immigrants and and around Muslims and stuff that is so common that I see it like a hundred times a day myself online and and in in Bisonette's case like there were a lot of factors that pushed him further and further into this world in the way that we now we've got language for it where we, we we talk about the incel culture where you find other equally desperate humans and you and you talk about being red pilled and you talk about uh, how women can, like how you can force women to sleep with you or whatever, and and so this is a world that exists. And my God, like you know, if you stare at this world for too long, you'll turn into a pillar of salt. Except there's no orgy, and <laughs> I don't know if anyone knows what that's a reference to, but I'll just leave it at that. I don't. I just thought it was a little weird. It's the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament. Mm. So the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and. Bernier seems to have said to himself, hmm, okay, how can I fuck Andrew Scheer the hardest? Hmm, I know. I will go to these incels and I will form a political party with them. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, real, this is where we're at in Canada right now? This is amazing. Like, in a non-good way. 
It's so fucking bizarre. But also, I mean, a lot of this element is actually in the conservative party. So, you know, I, I assume that what we're seeing is what, you know, sometimes on the left, people say that this like doesn't exist on the right. Like the right is so unified. They have no <laughs> fights. That's bullshit. They have fights. They just tend to continue working together after they yeah. have fights. But this, you know, like this fight, they, they've, they've had fights about strategy on the inside about, um, you know, how outward they should be about certain types of things that they want to do. Sometimes one side wins, as we see in the province of Ontario, about what that strategy should be. They should just go go forward and do all the things that um, they wish they could do slow. Or sometimes they break apart, like what's happening in federal conservative politics with respect to this People's Party. We should call it something else. We should come up with some sort of other name. I leave that task to you, Nora. You're really funny, so it's it's p it's p it's pee pee. It's like fucking piss. Too man. easy, not good enough. Try again. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, I'll think of it. Um. Yeah. And so, why are we talking about this tonight? Uh, I think that there's a whole bunch of factors that are uh, bringing attention to Bernier again, right? We haven't really heard about Bernier much since he launched his party. He launched his party in September. None of his conservative colleagues joined him, which I thought was very telling. I'm sure other people thought that was very telling because it's not like that's a group of people that are all highly intelligent and not racist. Like, I'm surprised literally no one followed him. But anyway... And um, and that's been kind of it. Uh, you know, we put out a platform kind of and I think that there was some information about how much money he's fundraised. But since September, we haven't heard much about Bernie. he put out a platform. Oh, yeah, there's a platform. It's just his platform pretty much from when he ran uh, for the conservative party. So hmm. you can take a look at it. And okay. I, I personally don't put too much stock into that because I think that the second like we get closer to 20 to the election in 2019, you'll start to really hear policies coming out of his ass. But there's a couple of factors that have put him into the limelight a little bit more recently. Uh, one is a report from the Toronto Star uh, written by three people. And I can't remember the third person's name, so I'm not going to say any of their <laughs> names, but it's the Toronto Star. You can look it up. Um, and they've they've gone through some of the people involved uh, and and shown connections to the far right, which is what like a lot of people have been doing that pretty consistently like no one is going to be joining that party that's not from the far right but that's that's interesting and so that put it on people's radar in response to that i posted an article that i wrote back in september about the the far right involvement in bernier from the start and how um he is playing to that base very openly and very clearly and he is he's in a situation as um, one of the safest MPs in Canada, like he consistently wins with very high margins. Um, he's in the whitest, one of the whitest <laughs> ridings in Canada as well. Um, but most of his political career was given to him by his father. So he has a lot of latitude to do whatever he wants and not worry about his political future, which I think is quite dangerous. Um, and so as I posted this article... My feed all day has been nonstop Bernier fans. Really? Like real people or bots? Like that seems bizarre. How does he have so many fans? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like they seem real. Like, I mean, I've in some cases like, you know, you go you put them through a bot 
thing and it's like they're problematic but these guys are just responding all the time to you and they're responding to what you're saying so it's like is this a machine is this are these all one guy are these all different one guys I don't know I don't know but it tells me that there's a level of organization and sophistication that is being mounted in this campaign that we cannot ignore hmm. very interesting yeah I think it's clear I think you're right and that it is clear that he is um, focusing on the the alt-right and the implicate like the, the 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 reason why we need to expose that and focus on it is that we can't make the mistake we can't make the mistake we can't have our media make the mistake of treating this like any other party. This has to be treated like the white supremacist drivel that it is. And like, you know, in recognition that all the parties are white supremacist in some way, you know what I mean here. I mean, like, super, like, wanting to ramp up the white supremacy in a real intense way. If so now that I'm on the website taking a look at the policy, like there's just a lot on um, immigration, which is the not so much a dog whistle, just like a regular ass whistle that just whistles racism into the wind. Racism. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> do dog whistles even exist anymore? I don't think so. Not in politics these days. <laughs> it's just Nobody needs to dog whistle. You can do a regular whistle. So, you know, he wants to, to reduce the total number of immigrants per year that come into the country. And then he's got this, you know, there's a lot of stuff on um, increasing resources for CSIS and the RCMP and immigration officials to do background checks and interviews as necessary. And then he's got this weird one. Immigration must not be used as a tool to forcibly change the cultural character and social fabric of Canada. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind that? of platform point? What the hell? And he, he <laughs> like, the, the expansion on that is that our immigration policy should not aim to forcibly change the cultural character as radical proponents of multiculturalism want. It's like, wow, is that where multiculturalism is right now? What? That's what multiculturalism <laughs> wants? To radically and forcibly change the cultural character and social fabric? Like, these are obvious, obvious, obvious gifts to, to the alt-right, to a white supremacist base that he's trying to attract to this party to really build his party across the province and have a national platform to outwardly, because, you know, let's be clear, this, this stuff does already exist on a national platform, but to have a national platform to very overtly talk about, um, about these ideas and to promulgate these ideas. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other reason why this is coming up now and it's related to, uh, of course, his policies is because there's a by-election. Everyone in the by-election, everyone's been paying attention to this by-election. It's like the most famous by-election going on right now. Well, there's a couple of by-elections, but there's one that's very, very important, and that is Burnaby South, right? And everyone's paying attention because Jagmeet Singh is running in it, and there's mm -hmm. been, you know, fun political controversy or whatever. But there hasn't so been... So dramatic. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? You're not paying attention to that one. Oh, Just go man. read some stories. It's drama on drama on drama. 
I know mm. I'm paying so much attention to it. I didn't even realize that the Liberals had a new candidate. But anyway, I knew that they lost a candidate, but I didn't know they replaced her. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> Me admitting my ignorance. But this is the real first test for the People's Party of Canada because um, there's a woman running for the People's Party of Canada in this election, and she has been polling too poorly. And this is where they're actually able. Wait, what? Okay, so clearly I haven't been paying <laughs> enough attention. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's not polling poorly? I mean, she's in fourth place, but, like, let me let me pull this up for you. The People's Party candidate is named Laura Lynn Taylor Thompson. To- Laura-, <laughs> Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson. <laughs> what the fuck? It's like, sorry, that literally means that she's P-P-L-L-T-T. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Fuck her. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and so she was polling at the start of the election. Um, and sorry, I don't have anything more up to date, but, you know, whatever. Uh, she was polling at 8.7%. Oh, wow. Which isn't fucking nothing. <laughs> it's not zero. <laughs> no. That's uh, and surprising. It is, it is a 4A race, too, mm-hmm. right? So everybody's percentages are lower. So, um, yes, yeah, so you've got her up trending at at, at 8.7% at the beginning of the election. And she's uh, known uh, as a national television co-host of the 700 Club, which, do you know what the 700 Club is? Hell no. Oh, you must not have watched television on Sunday mornings, like, right after church, and then lost your cartoons for stuff like the 700 Club. Are you kidding me? We weren't allowed to watch TV after church. <laughs> oh, really? After no. church was prime. Uh, <laughs> a- after church was prime. Um, uh, Three Stooges uh, time. Actually, um, read our Bibles after church. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Which you know, and I didn't get your reference from earlier, so you, you know how well I did with that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> do your parents listen to the podcast? Because I hope they, they, they Most do. Most definitely not. I mean, I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I guess I'll find <laughs> out after this one. <laughs> um. So uh, LLTT of the PP is um, <laughs> the 700 Club. <laughs> Is uh, it was a it's a religious show that was on like fucking TV. It's it's a religious show. It's I it, like you probably should have watched Seven Hundred Club because like it's religious and you could have learned about the Bible from we it. We definitely watched Touched by an Angel. Oh, uh, it, it's not that. It's it's more like like uh, one person talking to the camera level religious shit, not like Touched by an Angel. Which oh is yeah, weird. no, I don't think we would have ever done that in my family. Yeah, yeah. So she is um. You know, obviously not going to win, but she's taking a bite out of the conservative candidates' support, which I think is very important for us to pay attention to. And uh, I don't know, like, do you want to guess what her fucking pet project is? No, like, what is it? Like, what's her thing? What does she want to do? Religious make Canada Christian again? Oh, she wants to make sure that the sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum that's being adopted by British Columbia schools isn't adopted. So she's British Columbia's Tanya Allen Granich with a TV show. 
Oh, great. The world needs more Tanya Granich Allens. It's so good. I'm really pleased to hear. Yeah. And of course, she's a fail candidate for the conservative party. So she's exactly the kind of person that Bernier would want to get. And so so, you know, they they actually and she also has like a freaky plastic face like a lot of these like Stepford people. Like it's just everything about this candidate is what you would expect for like the rise of the far right to actually try and get someone elected in Ottawa. (sighs) So. The election's on now. The by-election's on now. There's other by-elections going on. And so it's coinciding with Bernier organizing. And so if you go to Bernier's Twitter feed, it is picture after picture of riding association meetings where a lot of men are getting together and forming a party. (laughs) I posted today. Which is, is, by the way, just more evidence that this is about um, frustrations among the right. Like, this is their fight that happens that people think, like, don't ever happen on the right. Like, it does. Because otherwise, this wouldn't be able to grow in the way that it's growing. If they're able to have um, riding associations in, in every riding in Canada, it's because people in the Conservative Party have defected. Grassroots members, which we should be yes. even more concerned about. Because it means that he has to be oriented towards organizing at the grassroots. Yes. Which is the danger. Which exactly. is the more dangerous thing. Exactly. So I guess the last thing I'll say about, or I'll end uh, this little, like, bit on why the fuck Bernier nation is making itself known is um yeah so their 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 pictures show it's almost all men uh in some cases there's only one or maybe three women um and they're all probably really angry and they all probably want to own guns or own guns and they all probably rant at women online like (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. this is the party of the of the fucking assholes who like really do try to cause harm to other people online and what do you think Nora like I mean I remember when this first started I was just like "Ugh, what a joke but then I recall saying such things about the Canadian Alliance which has now become the Canadian Conservative Party so I mean I wonder like (laughs) should we be really nervous like the thing watching this happen at a at a really in a really kind of grassroots way makes me very very nervous I don't know if I'm just being overly nervous because I can't stop thinking about the apocalypse because I'm a millennial living in 2019. But like, is what do you think? Like, are you having the same amount of oh god no that I am, or what? Being in Quebec is kind of nice because like we have our own fights to fight and <laughs> no one cares about federal politics. No, I mean I'm in Ontario right now. Nobody gives a shit about federal politics right now. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> And this is, I think, what we what we should talk for the rest of the episode about is what is the impact that this has on the political just discourse generally? What impact does it have on young men who uh, need an intervention? And, and for fuck's sakes, I hope we can figure a way to intervene with some of these individuals. And what does it mean for the conservative party itself? Because I think that that often gets forgotten in the talk of, of, of Bernier and his party. But what is very clear to me is... There's a reason that we're not seeing uh, riding by riding organizing happening on the left in Canada. 
We're not seeing it from the NDP because it's just like they've got their normal flow of doing things and it wouldn't necessarily be now. They don't have the same the same Elan as a new political party. But there's also no anything. <laughs> there's no leftist thing that's happening in the same way. And that alone makes me extremely worried. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that builds like true loyalty to a party, true party activists, like people who have a real incentive to, you know, really fight for their party. And if that's not happening on the left, then we've got a problem. And I'm, you know, like as much as this is going to break the, it's going to split the vote on the right, it, you know, it's... there's weird things happening in the Liberal Party. There's weird things happening in the NDP also that just makes me kind of think that, you know, coming going into an election in October, we could be, things might be more up in the air than we would traditionally think that they are. Um, and so that uh, leaves things uncertain for me that uh, makes me anxious about what's going on the scandals that the liberals are dealing with, um, the, the, the possibility that Jagmeet Singh might not, not win his seat and what would that mean for him as leader? Um, you know, and then what's happening in the conservative party and this PP party, it's all very weird. And so if, if the most organized people happen to be, um, really angry white men from coast to coast, Oh boy, that doesn't feel good. Yeah, and the and the pull that it has on the Conservative Party as well is really dangerous because this is a party that's polarized, right? Like Maxim lost by a percentage point. Sheer's support is um, is strong because they have to look united, but that doesn't necessarily mean behind the look that they're united. So there's there's a bit of shakiness there. Certainly Bernier will help polarize people around Sheer, but for the grassroots for average conservative voters, it's really bad. Because if you've got someone that is pulling the discussion to the far right on immigration, on this idea that what the fuck, we're not going to change Canadian culture with immigration, whatever, which is meaningless racist drivel. Andrew Shear's going to respond to that. And he's not going to respond to that by saying, no, that's racist. We need to bring everybody. We need to, you know, we need to help people in need. We have to bring in more refugees. He's going to fucking like, just try to recover his old party members exactly he's gonna go (laughs) he's gonna try to recover those people (laughs) he'll try to look more reasonable and the press will say he's more reasonable and we will completely forget about the fact that the guy actually wants to maintain the status quo which is a society that is built on and built of white supremacy I think the other thing that's important to talk about um, in the context of an, of an election is these these people who are targeting you online or after sharing that article. Are they real? Are they fake? Does it matter? And I think the, the best question is, does it matter? Because so much of what political policy is driven by is like the perception of what people want and you can change how the media covers 
um, what's happening on a political level. You can change how a party responds to particular policy by making it appear as though there is uh, mass popularity for for you know a particular policy or a particular party or whatever it is. Um, and I you know whether or not those bots are real, I think what it is is an organized effort to make it appear as though, uh, Maxime Bernier is very, very popular in Canada and as such deserves, like, you know, there, there's going to be large debates about whether or not he should be a part of official debates. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what that's leading towards. And there's going to be an army of Twitter bots or real people, whatever. It doesn't really, really matter uh, with respect to, to what decisions are made, as long as it looks like there's a bunch of people who are frustrated. I guarantee he'll get a spot on the national stage with respect to debates. Of course. Um, and so, you know, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, it's like, how how do we combat that? Like, do we really need that? What if it's not real? Oh, man, and that that also makes me really nervous in the context of an election coming up. But that's that's what that's preparing for. And like, never think that that stuff's not organized. It's not. You know, it's it's not organic that people just randomly found Nora um, tweeting an article. Someone's posted it somewhere and said that people need to respond to it. Or there's like someone who's controlling a, bot, a bunch of bots um, that are responding to it. Either way, it's scary because the outcome is the same. It changes policy and it changes the way that people interact with a political party or the political parties altogether. Oh, 100 percent. And it also changes how journalists interact with these groups as well, because journalists like far too many journalists, I think, still are surprised that there are this many hate hateful people out there, that Bernier is this far right or that his party is this far right or you know, th that even even this Toronto Star article, uh, the frame is that, you know, it, that these people have infiltrated uh, his party. And back in no in um, September, the CBC quoted Stockwell Day saying Bernier is going to have to work very hard to make sure that the, the racists don't infiltrate his party. And it's like this is a party of racists. <laughs> the ultimate racist is in the party. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> like. Set yourself on fire if you want to get rid of Now, what, what makes it disorienting is that the conservatives are also a racist party. And <laughs> that journalists really can't reconcile that because they're like, well, they can't mm -hmm. be racist. There's people who aren't white in that party. And it's like, um, can we think a little harder? Please. <laughs> and I, I have an example of this. And so... This past week for Vice, uh, a writer from Winnipeg named James Wilt wrote an article. Not sure if you saw it. Let me know if you did. And mm -hmm. it was talking about how the foreign funded trope and the globalist trope that people throw out all the time. Jason Kenney throws it out. Other you know, people on the right throw this out. That it is an anti-Semitic narrative and that anti-Semitism is fueling a lot of the ways in which people in Alberta are responding or supporting the United Conservative Party and that this needs to stop is basically like the article investigates 
why this all is. Now, James was chased off Twitter for this. And many people... I mean, what? Isn't that basic knowledge? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what's, what's weird about that? Like people, mainstream journalists jumped to the conclusion that there was a, a you know, however many word, 1200 word article advice that called Jason Kenney an anti-Semite. That that was the, the criticism. OK. And there has <laughs> not been anybody writing in a mainstream outlet to say actually globalism, um, foreign funded, questionable loyalties, like these are all tropes that have existed for many, many, many fucking years. And it is Yeah, all... guys, wake up. <laughs> like <laughs> don't journalists like run Twitter? Like, how do they not know this? It's all over Twitter. I yeah, uh... exactly. And so there's a there's another podcast, uh, 49th Para Hell, where Kate Jacobson kind of breaks through like why capitalism re- requires anti-Semitism to help reconcile some of the irreconcilable irreconcilable parts of capitalism. And so you can you can place your blame on the Jews rather than actually understanding how certain systems operate or function or whatever. And I think it's really that that's that's critical because that that is this is this is the trope that the conservative movement these are the tropes that the conservative movement benefit from and they fuel and that includes Bernier and that includes uh, Kenny and Sheer and absolutely Doug fucking Ford and we're not smart enough like journalists aren't smart enough to fucking cut through this like average people like you, you have to really think about this stuff you have to have it explained to you it makes it, it it's actually hard like there's a reason why this stuff sticks because it you do have to have a lot of reflection and you need to have people walk you through it and it's like how are we going to do that before the election <laughs> oh my god the question yeah the so, question so the reason why and I want to bring it back to the the system that continues to marginalize people based on many characteristics, but the system that allowed Bruce MacArthur to prey on racialized men, queer men, homeless men, refugee men, is the system that these people want to maintain. The police did their job on the textbook question of how conservatives understand. It's like they don't care. They don't care about marginalized people. And then you walk over to Quebec City and here is Alexandre Bizonet sitting at his computer who literally makes the decision to go to the Islamic Cultural Center and kill people because he was triggered by a tweet from Justin Trudeau saying that Canada welcomes refugees. And there's, you know, there's so much more to say about this, and we will, as, you know, there's a, there's the, the election in Burnaby South will happen on February 25th, the election in Alberta, and someone someone has asked us to do a piece just on Jason Kenney, and we, we probably should at some point. Um, there's an election in Alberta on May 31st, and then there's, you know, obviously the federal election that's going to be coming up in October, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity for us to talk more about these things but you know shoot us a line like do you have an idea of how we can shift the way that our mainstream media is talking about these issues because I mean I I know how I would want them to talk about these issues but to actually make a change in how um, this is this is being looked at 
I think that that's quite urgent. And if there's a way that we can somehow figure out uh, of influencing it, let's try to make it happen because there's too much at stake. And I don't want to see more people being fueled by what they see from politicians and becoming um, like some 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 of the most violent, angry white men that we have seen in the last few years pop up in in the press. I don't want more of that. I don't think any of us do. So I think it's really imperative upon us to like try to figure this out. And of course, there's alternative media that has been doing a fantastic job. Uh, but you know, there's just too many eyes on the mainstream, and that means we got to do something about it. Or if you've got a better thing to call the People's Party than PP. That's also very important. (laughs) (laughs) We need a better moniker for the PP Party, because it's just not doing it for me. (laughs) 